and started blaming Trump for Biden's horrible Afghanistan pullout. With Easter coming up, do people even know why we celebrate Easter? No, they don't. Also in the news, Joe Biden's minions are making excuses for him. Also in the news, the judge of the Trump case in New York threatens Trump and says that he has the right to waive Trump's right to show up in court. Is this overstepping his power? Let's find out. You're watching The Demetrius Arujo Show, and I'm your host, Demetrius Arujo. Without further ado, let's begin. Facts over facts over tracks is a mess, spitting slow, spitting fast. I could roast, I could gas, think I'm okay at last, but I don't know if that can erase all the past. So, beginning with Easter, it is on Sunday. So, I just wanted everybody to look at the info on religion. If you can ask people why we even celebrate Easter, all they will say is that rabbits break into your house and they leave gifts, just like Santa. But it's far more than that. We celebrate Jesus opening the gates of heaven and being resurrected and telling everybody that heaven is real. With this information, a lot of people miss begs the question, are people really losing religion or do people just not know? I say the former, because if you look at the trajectory of believers, more people are starting to believe in hell rather than heaven. Just look at what's on the mainstream TV. We have seen worshiping taking place, but no prayer. It's a sad backwards world we live in. Also, according to CBS, people that believe in heaven are far way happier in their lives. This is just because they don't think that we just take a dirt nap when we pass away and let the bugs eat ourselves. But instead, they will go to heaven and get rewarded for living a dedicated life. With that being said, let's move on to a dozen take. Okay, digging right into the first headline of the week, we actually have an article from Project Veritas. Now, I know that a lot of people do not like Project Veritas anymore because of what they do to James O'Keefe, but when we have a breaking story in front of our face, I'm not going to ignore it. And yes, I just completely disagree with how they treated Kevin... I completely disagree with how they treated James O'Keefe, yes. But we also have a story right here that a United States-based TikTok employee reveals a lot of coding shit very beneficial to China. Says DC team worked directly with the FBI to find locations and effort to take down wanted criminals like Andrew Tate. Bruce Sapp, a content moderator at TikTok, I'm sure, and this is his quote, not mine. I'm sure a lot of the coding shit is very beneficial to China. This is the undercover journalist. You have a train like a year with the FBI because things they do are more of like, I don't know if you've heard, but like Andrew Tate getting down in Romania. So like it wouldn't be more of that shit. Like people who are over here on TikTok that are obviously wanted criminals working with the police, like helping them find their locations, like shit like that. So we can go on and on, but I think that I'm just going to let him speak for himself. The DC team, I was looking at their job descriptions. A lot of them work directly like with the FBI and you have to train like a year with like FBI and there. Because like things they do are more of like, I don't know if you've heard, but like Andrew Tagan taken down in Romania. Yeah. So like it would be more of that, like people who are on TikTok that are obviously wanted criminals working with the police, like helping them find like their locations and like that. Like people in our government want to ban TikTok off of government officials' devices. Right. Why is that? If I had to guess, it's because I'm sure a lot of the coding is still very beneficial to China. I feel like I get the inside scoop with you. A little bit. A Project Veritas undercover journalist oh, yeah, met a little with bit. Bruce Sapp, a content moderator for TikTok. Amidst national concern over the social media app's effects on young children and connections to the Chinese Communist Party, Bruce tells our journalists about his own reservations with TikTok's policies and connection to the FBI. So you're an employee of ByteDance. ByteDance, yes. What's the difference between that and TikTok? 
Friday's Bone Stigma. Okay, so do you like it? It's a job. Uh, uh, it's a job. Yeah. Like it? I don't know. I don't mind it. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of shit I don't agree with that happens, but... Like what? Thank you. There's a lot of, um... I'm trying to think of, like, the, the most legal way to say it. Not that I don't trust you, but in case it does come back out. Okay. Uh, you can be open with me. Like, people in our government want to ban TikTok off of government officials' devices. Right. Why is that? If I had to guess, it's because I'm sure a lot of that coding is still very beneficial to China. And because of the whole China-America relationship, I'm sure it's something to do with that. The VC team? Yes. I was looking at their job descriptions. What do you mean? Like, a lot of them work directly, like, with the FBI, so you need, like, a certain amount of, like, training. Like, it's nuts. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, because I applied to do uh, global policy in D.C. I didn't get the job, but, like, seeing the job requirements, I knew I wasn't going to get it. So yeah. I was like, oh, let's see, throw my hat in the ring. What are the job requirements? It's like, you have to have, like, two years minimum of, like, law enforcement. You have to have, if we hire you on, you have to train, like, a year with, like, FBI. Because, like, things they do are more of, like, I don't know if you've heard, but, like, Andrew Tate getting taken down in Romania. Yeah. So, like, it would be more of that. Like, people who are on TikTok that are obviously wanted criminals working with the police, like, helping them find, like, their locations, shit like that. But what do you, like, with the educational videos, though? Like, because right. China's very educational videos. Yeah. US is very, like, dances and whatever, right. right? Right. So why do you think that is? I think Americans just want to be entertained where China and a lot of Asian companies or countries are like, how do we better ourselves? Which, like, it's kind of sad, but it's it's the reality of it. Uh, okay, so I'm going to pause it right Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. Because... Okay, so I'm going to pause it right there. Okay, so we already know that TikTok, the version that we see in the United States is not the same version that we see or they see in China because of the fact that China's version of TikTok, they want to push educational videos and mathematics and, and history and all of this stuff that's pro-propaganda to the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP. But in America, we would like to see people twerking and see people, um, I guess, dress up like a woman and say that they are actually a woman, <laughs> Dylan Mulvaney. And we like to see mental disorders on, on the TikTok that is in the United States. Now, I think he puts this very, very, like, just scratching the edge of it. It's obviously orchestrated. I mean, he's just, he's just scratching the edge because he obviously doesn't know. He's just a content moderator now like what he was saying before it's the fact that it's the fact that the dc team of tiktok is actually working with the fbi to find criminals is a completely different story so now we have a company a private organization quote unquote private organization now working with the government now that's the government's hand the government has the hand in the cookie jar now you cannot say that tiktok is a private company you have to say that tiktok is a public company receiving taxpayer money because it is Anytime a government official is working with another company hand in hand like that, then they're working with the government. Now, I will not be surprised if the government actually gives money to TikTok in order for this to happen, this cooperation to happen. So what's really nerve wracking here is that TikTok has gotten so big that it can now have influence over the FBI. It can give information that the FBI had no idea about. That's what's frustrating to me.
Um, this is exactly why we should shut it down. It's gotten too big. It's getting more and more people addicted every single day. And on top of that, it's working hand in hand with the government without the approval and the, the input of the American people. I never voted on this. My father never voted on this. My grandfather never voted on this. Nobody voted on this. So why are we allowing the government to use our taxpayer money with a private corporation? It, it simply makes no sense. That's exactly why we should support a bill to ban TikTok. But the TikTok ban that we have now in Congress should not be passed simply because because of the fact that the TikTok ban, the quote unquote TikTok ban, actually gives any of the executive branch power to remove any app that it deems a threat to American power. So now we have an unelected body in the electoral branch of the government deciding which apps we can and cannot have on our phone. And they also have the ability to check on and spy on the apps that we have with more than 1 million users. So let's just say that that doorbell that you have in front of your house, the ring doorbell or the ring surveillance cameras inside of your house if the government wants to spy on you then they can because these apps are online apps that have one more than 1 million users that's disturbing and disgusting if you have anything that is connected to any sort of wi-fi that you need to connect to and has more than 1 million users the government in the of the electoral branch can view that app within your own phone that's the destruction of the fourth amendment right in the united states the unlawful seize and search of a person without representation from a, a court and a jury. So moving on to the next article, we actually have CBS reporter blows up John Kirby over Afghanistan report. CBS White House correspondent Ed O'Keefe puts the screws on to retired Admiral John Kirby during a Thursday briefing, pressing him on the administration's decision to release a long-awaited assignment for the co a co chaotic African withdrawal just, a, just before a holiday weekend. Kirby, who is recently serving as a strategic communications coordinator for the National Security Council, claimed that the timing of the report was coincidental and that the multiple agencies that had worked to compile the report had just happened to get it together at this specific time. Noting that the information had been requested months earlier, O'Keefe pointed out that the reporters had only received it 10 minutes before the briefing that preceded the Easter holiday. Why today? Is this all we get? Is this a response to the studies that have been done by the agencies or is this just considered a summary? He asking, calling the move the very definition of modern major holiday news dump. This is the result of months and months of work by individual agencies. Kirby objected, explaining the full reports for, from the those agencies were classified in that the Biden administration had put together the assignment that was sent out to reporters and leaders on Capitol Hill. O'Keefe continued to press, however, noting the according to the administration's statement, President Biden had received the and accept the enormous advice by his top national security officials to end the evacuation on August 31st. Was the definition of a top national security official because we know the example of General McKenzie, who was then head of Kentcom, said he objected to aspects of this. O'Keefe asked Kirby pushed back, saying that he was loath to address specific bits of the advice that Biden may or may not have gotten by individual advisors. O'Keefe continued with the observation that the Biden administration's assessment included four pages of blame leveled at the previous administration and no real administration accountability from the Biden White House. Nowhere in the paper does it appear to have any exploration, exploration or 
accountability or mistake by either the president himself or others. Is there any is there any comment for what happened? He asked. During the direct question regarding whether or not Biden would hold himself accountable, Kirby claimed that the agency's doing voluntary action after action reviews rather than waiting until they were forced to do so by Congress was proof that they were holding themselves to account. But you're proving another administration for your wrongdoings and your awful, awful withdrawal from the Afghanistan war. So how is you blaming other people for your mistakes, you taking accountability? It's like, oh, uh, I'll slap somebody in the face because this is, an, this is an example that I love using. Slap somebody in the face and now I say, oh no, I only slapped you in the face because you made me slap you in the face because you were being stupid. Like I'm, I'm taking accountability, quote unquote, but I'm also blaming you at the same exact time. That doesn't make any sense. That's not taking accountability. That's dodging the question. Now, with that being said, we already know that the these um John Kirby and all these people within the White House are very stupid. So anything they say has to be taken with a grain of salt because of their stupidity. Now, moving on to the next section of the Demetrius Rujo show, we have a dozen tapes. Moving with the first article, we actually have a CNN article. We have banks are in turmoil, but banks are in turmoil, but a bigger financial crisis may be brewing elsewhere. Hmm, what's that? The International Monetary Fund learned this week of vulnerabilities along so-called non-bank financial institutions, saying global financial stability, saying global financial stability could hinge on the residents. The Bank of England called attention to the same issue last month, and global investors surveyed by Bank of America in the middle of the recent banking crisis pointed to a group of non-United States banks, rather than traditional lenders such as the defunct Silicon Valley Bank and the most likely source of the credit crisis. But what exactly do non are non-banks and how risky are they? The term encompasses financial firms, other than banks, that provide all matter manner of financial services, including lending to households and businesses. It's a diverse cask iron cast list. Non-banks range from pension funds and issuers, insurers, to mental mutual funds and high-risk hedge funds. And the sector is big. According to the Financial Stability Board, an FSB, a body of global regulators and government officials, non-banks had about $239 trillion in in, on their books in 2021, accounting for just under half of the world's total financial assets. The sector had grown strongly since the financial crisis in 2008, with its asset base exploding by 7% a year on average, according to BSB data. As interest rates hit rock bottom in the years that followed the crisis, many savers and investors turned to non-banks in search for higher returns. Meanwhile, the regulators placed more restrictions on bank lending. Certain types of borrowers, such as risk consumers, increasingly sought out non-banks for finance. Non-banks that provide credit, as known as shadow banks, although the term is often used impreciously to mean all non-banks, it is the type of institution that is worrying the investors hold by Bank of America. Shadow banks now make up 14% of the world's financial assets and, like many non-banks, operate without the same level of regulatory oversight and transparency as banks. What are the risks? Some of the risks that non-banks increase when interest rates are increasing as they are now. The sector's larger size means it troubles could, its troubles could, on their own, 
destabilize their uh, financial system, but they could also spend on traditional banks through real and perceived intercommunication. One of the risks is the likelihood of credit losses. In a report in November, the European Central Bank called out the persistent vulnerabilities in the non-bank sector, including the risk of substantial credit losses. If its corporate borrowers started to default emitting a weakened economy, while the economic outlook in Europe has brightened since the start of the year, fears of a United States recession have grown following the collapse of SVB in Signature Bank in the rescue of First Republic Bank last month. Economies on both sides of the Atlantic remain fragile as interest rates are expected to rise further and the energy prices are still high despite recent falls. The other risk stems from what is known as a liquidity mismatch, which exists in open-ended funds, a type of mutual fund. Open-ended funds allow jittery investors to pull out their money quickly but often have cash tied up in assets that can't be quickly sold as quickly to return money to clients. Rising interest rates and uncertain economic outlook have also made funding for the, some European non-banks both more expensive and harder to come by. Nicholas Charlie Charnay, who covers European financial institutions at SNB, SNP Global Ratings, told CNN, Since non-banks do not have deposits for customers, they are mostly exempt from the strict requirements of loss-absorbing capital and liquidity imposed on banks, and most are now subject to regular tests by regulators to ensure that they can cope with a range of adverse scenarios. In a report in February, S&P Global Ratings pointed out another alarming feature of many non-banks. Shadow banks can't access Amer emergency central banking funding in times of stress, and we don't expect governments to use taxpayer funds to recapitalize a failed shadow bank, the firm said. This means that, that public authorities have limited tools to mitigate con contagion risks. Health at big non-bank or large part of the sector could infect traditional lenders because non-banks both tend to borrow and borrow from banks, and many invest in the same assets as their conventional peers. A notorious example of the collapse of the United States Fund Archergo's capital management two years ago, which caused about $10 billion worth in losses across the banking sector. More than half of that was sustained by Credit Suzy, which counted Archergo's among its clients. The hit contributed to a, sting, a string of scandals and competence failures that have plunged the Swiss leader in recent years, eventually leading to an emergency takeover by rival UBS. Where are the risks? Some regulators are also concerned that certain corners of the sector are particularly exposed to an SVB-style run on its assets that could, in turn, create losses for traditional lenders. So, if people start pulling out of any single bank all at once and they put all, take all of their money out, the bank wants to now sell their investments that they have, but they don't have a lot of cash at hand, so they try to give back as much as they can and then sell their stocks or bonds or whatever they have and then give that money back to the, the depositors so they don't go bankrupt. So this is exactly what SVB did in their scenario and this is what every single bank has. So what I would say is that instead of you investing in bonds, I would just go and invest in something that is, I mean, not more reliable because bonds are pretty reliable. I would just say the stock market because the stock market is still going to rise no matter what because the stock market is so heavily manipulated. Now, moving on to the next article, we actually have a CNN article. Biden re review blames Trump's decisions for a chaotic Afghanistan withdrawal as it transmits Congress. We actually have another CNN article. We have Biden review blames Trump's decisions for a chaotic Afghanistan withdrawal as it transmits 
damaged Congress reports to Congress. President Joe Biden's administration blamed conditions created by Donald Trump for the chaotic withdrawal of American troops from Afghanistan in the summer of 2021. According to a summary of findings from an administration-wide after-action reviewed review released Thursday, the 12-page summary document does not overlay admit any mistakes. Still, it acknowledges certain lessons that could have been applied since including the speed of the evacuation citizens and allies. And it cites intelligence that provided poorly rose projections and security situation and notes Biden followed recommendations from his military commanders in ex executing the withdrawal. Overall, the summary's principal description is a difficult situation made more honorious by Trump's decisions when he was in the White House. Okay, so now they're just placing the blame on Trump completely and I will stop reading the CNN article because you're just stupid. No, you're the one that made the decision to withdraw. Now you will take the blame for anything that happens while you are withdrawing from Afghanistan. That's just that. Moving on to the next article, we actually have an MSNBC article. We have Clarence Thomas may have violated financial disclosure law, ethics experts say. A bombshell ProPublica investigation detailed allegedly unreported gifts to the Republican Supreme Court justice from a GOP billionaire. Clarence Thomas is in the news again, and it's not good news for him This or the Supreme Court. A straddling investigation published Thursday by the nonprofit or news outlet ProPublica revealed a revealed new details about Republican mega donor Carlson Claw's relationship in the GOP justice. The report doesn't claim that Thomas fixed cases for Crow, but rather that Thomas failed to disclose gifts from the billionaire who for years reportedly treated the justice to lavish trips around the world via private jet and yacht. According to the legal experts interviewed by ProPublica, Thomas's alleged reporting failures applied to violate the post-Watergate disclosure law. Kendrick Payne, a senator, a senior director at the nonprofit government watchdog Captain Legal Center, campaign leader center, told the outlet, if Justice Thomas received free travel on private jets and yachts, failure to report the gift as a vacation of the disclosure law. Thomas didn't report respond to a detailed list of questions for the article ProPublica said. And okay, so it doesn't matter if he uses his money or, or not. Why does he have to say it? No taxation until rep representation. If he does not want to, if he does not want to disclose that he's using his money for this and that, then it shouldn't matter because why? You're going to tax it anyway. Does it really matter? No, it doesn't. Now moving on to the next article, we actually have the next MSNBC article. We have Trump could still be tried in New York even if he doesn't show up to court. The judge warned the former president that he could waive his right to be at his own trial and sentencing hearing if there is one. Donald Trump was able to forego some of what typically comes to be comes with being arrested, such as getting handcuffed or having his mugshot taken. Yeah, one of the features of being a criminal defendant in New York could lead to former president being tried and even sentenced if he doesn't show up to his own proceeding in the future. Judge John Mission gave Trump what is known as a Parker warnings named for a New York case that involved trying a defendant who isn't present in court, according to a court transcript. Martian explained to Trump. You can waive your right to be present if you voluntarily absent yourself from the proceedings. So if it is determined that at some point down the road, you are not present at some stage because you chose not to be present, I do have the authority. I do have the right to find you voluntarily waived your right to be present and continue the proceedings in your absence. There is another way that Trump can waive his right to be present, the judge 
represented. A second way that you can lose your right or waive your right is to become disruptive. And I do have not have any reason to believe that will happen. But if you become disruptive to such degree that it affects my ability to proceed over this case and my ability to ensure that the case is treated the way it needs to be treated for both sides, I do have the authority to remove you from the courtroom and to continue in your absence. Surely, Mission could think of some reason that Trump might be disruptive, but the judge is doing everything he can to give this particularly sensitive defendant the benefit of the doubt. Mission's father further explained the 2024 Republican presidential hopeful that he could even be sentenced without being in court if he gives up his right to be present. It may seem far-fetched to consider the possibility of Trump being tried in absentia, as it is called, but Martian pointed out that it is something that he goes over with, his, with every individual who appears before me in court. So in a smaller way, the warnings put this unusual defendant on par with everybody else. And it is really far-fetched to imagine Trump boycotting the process that he has deemed unfair because before it even started. The Parker warnings might just become relevant after all. Okay, so no, it's not going to become relevant because I cannot see a day that Trump is not going to go to court so he, so he has no idea what's happening with the case. No, he's going to go to court so he knows exactly what to talk about to get himself elected in the primaries or at least the general election because that's what he needs. I mean, you look at his polls now. He just short, he just skyrocketed up in the polls because he's being attacked. He got 3 million donations in the last 24 hours of this case being announced. And $1 million of those were from new time donators, first time donators. So you can tell right there that he's garnering a lot of money from this because he's being unjustly attacked. Now, moving on to the next article, we actually have an NPR article. We have America's roads are more dangerous as police pull over fewer drivers. Hmm. Okay, so the thing is, right off the bat, if the police does not pull you over, it does not give you the right to just go willy-nilly. But the thing is that you should have the right to go at whatever speed you want, but as soon as you're recklessly driving, then you get arrested. If you're not recklessly driving and you're driving over the speed limit, then you're fine because you're driving safely. But the thing is that and but one, people can't do this. Like people do not even know how to drive at the speed limit, never mind above the speed limit. So we shouldn't even talk about that because people are just dumb. They'll swerve around people like this, go around all this traffic just to get one car ahead. Like you're only going one car ahead. American roads are deadlier than they were before the pandemic and many people are looking at chances in police traffic enforcement as a cause. That spiked during 2020 and the fatality rate that's per million miles traveled is about is still about 18% higher than it was in 2018. It is unfortunately an American phenomenon, says Jonathan Adkins. CEO of the Governor's Highway Safety Association, GHSA. Other Western countries do not see this the same see the same substance substance sustained increase in traffic deaths. And he thinks that one important def defense is pullback in policying following the George Floyd protests in 2020. Why do so many of us drive dangerously on the roads? Because we think that we can get away with it. And guess what? We probably can right now in many places in the country, says Adkins. There's not enforcement out there. There have is they're hesitant to write tickets and we're seeing the results of that okay so i can see both sides i can see the cop being scared of writing a ticket because he's going to get smacked and possibly killed and i can also see the side that npr is trying to make that if people are not being pulled over then the law is not being enforced no it's not because the cops are evil and no it's because of the policies that you try to push you blame cops you saying that cops are just so bad so evil that they don't know how to do their jobs you're that's what you're saying npr so now when they actually are scared of doing their jobs because there's going to be too much pushback 
from them doing their said job, then then you can't complain. Now, moving on to the next article, we actually have an NPR article. Where did the workers go? Construction jobs are plentiful, but workers are scarce. When President Biden linked the $1 trillion deal to give roads, bridges, and transit systems a boost, union, union officials and business leaders said a large-scale investment in infrastructure was long overdue. But nearly a year and a half later, and about one-third of the way through the funding's lifeline, lifetime, economics and hiring managers point out that all the infrastructure money won't do any good if there aren't enough people qualified to do the work. Where have all the workers gone? The constitutional industry faces a dire labor shortage. The number of constitution jo construction jobs openings jumped from 129,000 in February, even as hiring decreased by 18,000, according to a report by the from the Labor Department released Tuesday. That stands in contrast to the overall job market, where the job openings dipped to 9.9 million in February, down 632,000 from January. Even with more money to repair rundown roads and build no build new bridges, worker shortages loom over an indus industry already strapped with people and with fewer workers. Projects could take longer to complete, becoming more expensive as they drag on. Construction labor sources sort of shortage we worsened by the pandemic. The number of people actively applying for the construction jobs fell about 40 percent between 1919 and 2019 and 2020, and has been more flat ever since. According to Julia Pollock in Economics at ZipRecruiter, Pollock said that it's surprising partly because for many people, pandemic savings have run out and the insurance insurance of work eligible visas is overall job market has recovered from the pandemic slowdown. But Pollock adds, the pandemic allowed workers to migrate out of jobs that require them to be on site and transfer into remote work which often provides greater flexibility. The pipeline problem. While the infrastructure bill set aside money for large-scale public, work, public works projects, it didn't directly set aside anything for training people to do with it. I haven't used a dime of federal funding, says Sean Ray, a vice president overseeing training at Arizona-based Sunda Construction. Sunda is a large general constructor, bankrolls constitution construction training projects at a handful of local community colleges, but of these students can be hired by Sunda right after they graduate, and Ray said that the, he met with state officials last year to discuss getting some of the federal money set aside for them. They're funding, but it's being spent in the right ways. Just 57 out of the 414 funding giants grants with the Biden administration's trillion dollar infrastructure bill were eligible to be used to fund workplace related efforts. According to the tracker by National Congress, just 57 out of the 414 funding grants with the Biden administration's trillion dollar infrastructure bill were eligible to be used to fund workplace related efforts. According to a tracker by the National Governor's Association, analyzed by NPR, finding enough workers is going to be even harder and even ha greater challenge for the construction industry in the coming years as older workers retire faster than younger workers and take their place. According to Kim Simpson, chief economics, just 57 out of the 440, just 57 out of the 414 funding grants within the Biden administration's trillion dollar infrastructure bill were eligible to be used to fund workplace related efforts, according to a tracker by the 
the National Governors Association analyzed by NPR. Finding enough workers is going to be finding enough workers is going to be an become an even greater challenge for the construction industry in the coming years, as older workers retire faster than younger workers can take their place. According to Ken Simpson, chief economist at the Associated General Contractors of America, America. The trillion-dollar infrastructure bill gave much-needed funding to big projects, he said. But now can the burden falls on already stretched unions and construction firms to find workers in the tight hiring pool. What the legislation does is put the emphasis on getting firms to support and hire people coming through apprenticeship programs, Simpson said. But it's not directly helping to create those programs. There's a teacher shortage too okay so we're gonna stop it right there okay so the thing is that the con the construction jobs are very very like everybody wants a house everybody wants everything to be built but we don't think about the people that are needed to actually fulfill these jobs and to actually build these jobs so if you do work in construction i see you every single day there's a lot of construction working around my house around where i work it's very very like it looks like hard work i mean i could never do that if you would do that that's hard work that's manual labor that's a lot like I have some manual labor that I do at my work, not as much as a construction job. Now, moving on to the next article, we actually have a Fox News article. We have Florida teacher fired over an inappropriate lesson, insists he didn't do anything wrong. A Florida teacher is speaking out after he says that he was wrongfully terminated over an assignment the school deemed to be inappropriate. Physiology teacher Jeffrey Kane told Fox 35 Orlando this week that he was notified the, by the Orange County School District that he was attempting to that it was attempting to end his employment at Dr. Phillips High School following a lesson he gave relating to a school shooting drill. Related to a school shooting drill. When they said you have the option to resign without violating your contract, I said, I didn't do anything wrong. Kane told the outlet, I said, if I did, tell me what it is. They said, we can't do that. I said, in that case, since I don't know what I did wrong, you can go ahead and terminate me without cause. The notice from the school came after Kane says that he tried to tie a psychology lesson into an upcoming school shooting drill. And part of the lesson was asking students to rate their obscurities to reflect on their lives. Okay, so I wouldn't do this lesson. This is what he says. If they died 24 hours from now, what would they do differently in, than what they did yesterday, Kane said. And that's, to get, and that's to get them to get rid of the fluff and show them what's important in the world. I wasn't to say. If you're going to die, don't stress yourself out. Kane has been a teacher since 2008 and started working at the school in January. Said that a student got upset during the first period assignment, although... He put a disclaimer at the bottom that said that the lesson was not meant to upset them. During the next period, a school counselor came to observe the class, the Kane, and Kane said that the supervisor shut him down when he began talking to students about what to do if they were to come to the bathroom in the bathroom during a mass shooting. I was stunned, Kane said. I was talking to my students about what the world they live in, gun safety, active shooters. In a statement to Fox News Digital, the school district confirmed that it was deemed the lesson to be inappropriate and that he is no longer employed. Dr. School Phillips High School families were informed that a teacher gave an inappropriate assignment about school violence. The statement said, Administration immediately investigated and the probability employee has been terminated. Kane told the outlet that he does not regret teaching that lesson and absolutely would do it again without knowing the consequences. Kane is appealing the termination. Okay, so I completely agree. Let's go. I wouldn't do that lesson. Okay, so this is how I'm going to word it. 
I would not do that lesson, but I do not blame him for doing that lesson. You know what I'm saying? So the thing is that yes, life is so much bigger than what you're doing right now. This thing that you're watching, my podcast that you're watching is much more bigger, much stronger, much more. It's bigger. I mean, your life is bigger than this. So what you are known for and what you would do differently if you were to die in 24 hours, it's not bad. I mean, that's not an evil thing. But the thing is that we shouldn't be talking about it. Yes. I mean, it's kind of morbid. But the thing is that he simply just asked if they died 24 hours from now, what would you do differently than what you did yesterday? I would not say anything bad. I would just say, okay, well, if I knew that I was going to die tomorrow, I would do this, this, and this, and this. So it's not meant to be like a bad thing. Like I would go and do everything on my bucket list in 24 hours. That's what I would do. Um, I do have a bucket list that I would like to achieve before I pass away. So I would do those things. So that's what the students would have to say. So I don't know why they would, wouldn't just say that. I wouldn't get really offended. But the thing is that you can't be talking about school shootings after a mass shooting just happened. That's the timing. That's read the room. Everybody's upset about the mass shooting that happened in Nashville. Can't be talking about mass shootings. That's what the teacher has to understand. But I think that's the only thing that the teacher did wrong. If he was to wait a year or two years from now and he was to talk about that, I think that would be a different story. But since it just happened last week, people are still very sensitive about it. Now, moving into the next article, we actually have a Fox News article. Sarah Sanders hits back after Karen John Pierre, I mean Karen Jean Pierre, says a child and parents should decide on trans surgeries. No, they, they simply should not because of the fact that it's not their choice. The kid does not know what he is at all. The kid does not know because he does not know right from wrong. He does not know that it's wrong to cut off your genitals if you are a guy, and he does not know that it's wrong for a girl to cut, cut off their breasts just because you are young. When you're young, you cannot drink, smoke, gamble because we know that that it's wrong and you do not have the know-how and the ability to construct a an opinion about those things because you're too young. You're gonna ruin your life. That's exactly why we don't let you make life-altering decisions when you're a minor, okay? This is exactly why we do that. So allowing those people, those same exact people that just wanted a tattoo or to smoke a cigarette or to drink alcohol or a countless other things that you cannot do, you can't have a credit card if you're under 18, let alone destroy your body and mutilate your body because when you get older, you're gonna regret the decision that you did because now you do not have your male genitalia. You don't have that genitalia. You don't have that. You, as a girl, do not have your breasts anymore because you decided to chop them off and now you need to have a fake female part inserted to you and a whole cut out. Now your body does not recognize that hole so it keeps going and trying to um, heal itself. So now every single day you need to open that hole back up as a guy. That's what happens when you are a guy transitioning to a, a quote-unquote girl or a girl transitioning to a quote-unquote guy takes your foreskin off of your arm and puts it to the downstairs area and then constructs a fake penis with it. So if we really want to do this to a child then you're completely wrong and you have mental issues. That's what I'm going to say about that. Yeah. Moving into the next article, we actually have Breitbart. Well, I mean, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, what did, well, I mean, before we go on, let's, let's at least see what she said. Like, I'm already done with it. It's just stupid. Um, Sarah, what did she say? Sanders, who the White House press secretary for Donald Trump from 2017 to 2018. Um, okay, we certainly can't expect it to be anything meaningful in the space that come out of the Washington and it's why I think you're seeing so many Republican governors step up and pass legislation that does exactly that. It protects kids. It bans some of these permanent life-altering surgeries and makes sure that they are putting the focus on our children and empowering parents to make the best decisions possible. This is what she said. The parents have to be involved. This is what the parents have to be involved and just not. The parents have to be involved and not just involved, but they have to be the decision maker and their responsibility. That's their role. And trying to cut parents out of the process 
is simply unacceptable and not something that I think can happen. Karen Jane Pierre said, that's what she said. Today, Indiana just banned puberty blockers, hormone therapies, and gender transitioning surgeries for minors. I'm wondering what the president's reaction to the Indiana governor signing the bill into law. And does the president have a position on what age these kids and therapies and surgeries are appropriate? That's something for a child and their parents to decide. It's not something we believe should be decided by leg legislators. So I'll just leave it there. Karen said, I have three kids and most days they can't decide what they want for breakfast. We can't go through 10 different versions of what they're going to dress up as Halloween, Huckabee Sanders said. So I completely agree. Say children do not know what they want to eat. Children do not know what they want to be for Halloween. So now we're going to let them cut off their penis and let them cut off their breasts. No, because that's not something that it's just disgusting. Like, why do you think that? Why do you think that kids can make a life altering decision like that to genetically castrate them? It's just disturbing. Moving on to the next article. We actually have a Breitbart article. We have exclusive Jim Jordan subpoenas Manhattan prosecutor who resigned over suspended Trump probe. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Rep. Jim Jordan escalated Republicans' investigation into Manhattan District Attorney's incitement of former President Donald Trump by subpoenaing a prosecutor on Tuesday, Thursday, who resigned from the office last week over the district attorney's initial reluctance to pursue Trump's case. Jordan per Jordan's, persino, persino, Jordan's subpoena, reviewed by Breitbart News, directs Mark Palmeritz, who resigned from Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office in February 2022, to appear before a committee for declaration on April 20th. In a cover letter occupying the subpoena, Jordan said his committee had legislative reasons to demand Palmeritz's testimony. Congress has specific and manifestly important interests in preventing politically motivated prosecutions of current and former presidents by elected store, state and local prosecutors, particularly in jurisdictions like New York County, where the prosecutors popularly elected in trial level judges back life tenure, Jordan wrote. Read the, lever, the letter cover below. So this is a five page report that Jordan put together and I completely agree with all of it. I can presume I have not read it, but I can already say that I do agree with it. Um, a former special assistant assigned to the years-long Trump case exiled the Manhattan's district attorney's office right after Bragg took over. The move became a public affair when the regu regulation resignation letter appeared in the New York Times last March. Um, Pomerantz wrote in a letter to Bragg that he believed Trump was guilty of numerous felony violations related to the financial statements that he was quitting because he thought Bragg's decision at the time to indefinitely suspend the investigation into Trump was misguided. Jordan observed based on the regis registration registration letter that Pomerantz had prejudged the results in the investigation and that crucial words of Bragg seemingly sparked the district attorney to openly declare that tr the Trump investigation was far from over. In November 2022, one week after Trump announced that he was running for president again, the Times reported that Bragg had re revived the Trump investigation and had zeroed in on the hush money scheme involving porn star Horny da Stormy Daniels and Trump former personnel attorney Horny Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Oh god, I should have just kept asking Horny Daniels. Breitbart News did not say that. I am making that very clear. Breitbart News did not say Horny Daniels. For Mr. Bragg, the hush money development suggests the first signs of progress since he took office at the beginning of the year, when he lacked at indicting Mr. Trump in connection with his business practices, the outlet reported at the time. Primeritz later went on to publish a book about the matter called People vs. Donald Trump, an insider account in which Primeritz discuss internal concerns people had about the investigation.
investigation and worries about the credibility of Cohen, a convicted felon. You describe your eagerness to investigate President Trump, writing that you are delighted to join an unpaid group of lawyers advising on the Trump investigations, the, and joking that the salary negotiations had gone great because you would have been paid to join the investigation, Jordan wrote, of the book. He added that Premered seriously compared Trump to John Gotti, a notorious New York City mob boss, and described him as a Belgian narcissist. Okay, so maybe he's the second one. Maybe he's the narcissist, but I don't know if he's a New York City mob boss. The depth of your personal amnesty toward him is apparent in your writing, Jordan concluded. The subpoena marks a Republican strongest move yet in its investigation of the New York County's incitement of Trump amid questions from some of about Congress's authority to probe open state-level criminal matters. It comes after Jordan first contracted Pomeritz on March 22nd, seeking his testimony, as well as documents and communication related to the Trump investigation. Jordan, in his subpoena cover letter, referenced correspondence on March 25th from Bragg to Pomeritz, which Breitbart News has reviewed, in which Bragg introduced Pomeritz, a private citizen, not to provide Congress with any materials relevant to Pomeritz's work as a district attorney, as district attorney's office. Pomeritz then told the committee on March 27th that he would be complying with Bragg's instructions rather than Jordan's request. Jordan concluded Thursday, however, that Pomeritz is uniquely situated to provide insight to the Judiciary Committee in that he has no basis to decline to testify, given he already made detailed accounts of his work on the, pro the Trump probe widely public. And I completely agree. If he wrote a whole entire book, then why can't he go and speak in front of Congress? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Moving on to the next article, we actually have an article from The Federalist. 12 anti-Trump pundits and lawmakers who think Bragg's case is terrible. And I can completely agree with every single one of them because the Trump case in Oven Bragg is very uh, evil and it's not based on anything at all. I mean, it's based on a misdemeanor charge that had two years and that's it to, to um, criminally charge Trump. And they did not do that in the two years from 2016. So they had until 2018. So they had two years to prosecute Trump. They went from 2016 to the alleged hush money payment sent from Michael Cohen. Okay. 2016, they had until 2018 to prosecute Trump. They did not do it in two years. Now, they waited until after the two years. Now, you cannot have a misdemeanor in New York. The, the time is over for you to prosecute. And now, they want to make it into a felony because now felonies, you have more time. And now, they don't even want to make it a state felony. They want to make it a federal felony. Now, because of this, um, Alvin Bragg has no case here because he's not a federal prosecutor. He's just a district attorney for a county in New York. Um, that's the sad part here. So, let's move on with this list. Andrew McCabe, Jonathan Chaya, Alvin Duritz, Corey Cartero, Senator Mitt Romney, John Bolton, Ian Milherr, Noah Feltman, Mark Joseph Stern, Michael Averinsky, Jonathan Lermier's Democratic Sources, Sarah Isquier, and, and listen, the, everybody can agree that the Trump case is just out of left field. It does not make any sense, and there's no case here. Now, moving on to the next article, we actually have a Federalist article. McCarthy strengthens United States-Taiwan relations while Biden allows Red China to rise. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy met with Taiwanese President, I'm not going to attempt her name, on Wednesday to in a name to strengthen United States-Taiwan relations. And I completely agree that we should because Taiwan actually makes all of our chips for all of our devices. And the phone that you're watching on right now or the computer you're watching on right now might even be made in Taiwan. So it's very important for us to keep on that relations and that relationship with Taiwan because it's very important for us to have our electronic devices. On Wednesday, Speaker McCarthy and a bipartisan group of lawmakers met with Taiwanese president at the Ronald Reagan Library in California. The 
meeting made McCarthy the most senior United States official to meet with the leader of Taiwan on United States soil in decades, according to Newsweek. During the historic summit, McCarthy reaffirmed Congress's commitment to strengthening relations with the island nation in support for Taiwan's, Taiwan's aim to remain democratic in the wake of increasing Chinese aggregation, aggression. I mean, I felt our meeting today was provided a greater peace and stability of the world. America's support for the people of Taiwan will become remain resolute, resolute, unwavering and bipartisan, McCarthy said. Tai echoed similar state sentiments, saying, to preserve peace, we must stay strong, and we must we are stronger when we are together. The Chinese Communist Party, which claims Taiwan is Chinese territory, issues remarks on Thursday threatening to take resolute measures in response to Tai and Mitch McConnell, I mean McCarthy's alleged promotion of Taiwanese independence. Taiwan News reported the island's nation defense ministry tra tracked a People's Liberian Liberation Army helicopter and two naval vessels in the waters surrounding Taiwan on Wednesday and Thursday. Most eagerly, however, is the CCP's attempt to inspect ships traveling through the Taiwan Strait. According to Reuters, China's Richmond Marine Safety Administration launched a three-day special joint patrol and inspection operation in the central and northern parts of Taiwan's Strait. On Wednesday, that includes moves into board to board ships. Virgin is a southern southeastern Chinese province bordering the Taiwan Strait. The Marine Safety Authority in the southeastern Chinese province said the operation, including on-site inspections on direct cargo ships and construction vessels on both sides of Taiwan Strait, to ensure the safety of vessel navigation and to ensure the safe and orderly operation of key projects on water. The report reads: Taiwan indicated that it will not cooperate with the inspections. Yeah, it should not because it's Taiwan's territory. China, get out of here. Biden needs to help. Biden needs to help Taiwan right now because Taiwan is suffering with China coming up on its nose, on its the back of its head and breathing down its throat. You need to stop. Joe Biden, you need to step up and act like a man. You need to act like the president that we know that you sometimes can be. Okay, You need to act the part. Stop talking about your ice cream and get to work. Biden helps China by undercutting America. In the background of McCarthy's bid to reaffirm United States support for Taiwanese sovereignty in the failing presidency of Joe Biden, whose administration seemingly internally bid to cripple America's national security and economic stability is giving China leeway to expand its influence across the globe. On Monday, NBC News reported in the infamous Chinese spy balloon that the Biden administration left drift across the continental United States earlier this year, quote, was able to gather intelligence from several sensitive military sites. Among the intelligence transmitted back to the CCP was mostly from electronical signals, which can be picked up from weapon systems or include communications from per base personnel. This is exactly why Joe, Joe Biden over here should have fired a missile straight at the balloon as soon as it entered United States territory, because that's what China would do to us. Try flying a drone over CCP territory and you will be arrested and shot on the spot. It, not only it, but you will be. On the, on the economic front, Biden's monetary policy, which includes spending trillions of taxpayer dollars on useless democratic pet projects has resulted in decades high inflation, causing everyday Americans to struggle to afford basic necessities such as gas and groceries. The administration's ongoing war against the United States fossil fuel industry has only exacerbated the country's economic pains. Under Biden, the hegemony 
of the United States dollar is also in jeopardy. Countries such as Brazil and Malaysia have announced within the past weeks to plan to work with China to reduce dependence on the United States dollar when conducting trade with Beijing. Most recently, the Chinese yuan suppressed the United States dollar in the most traded currency in Russia, signifying growing ties between Beijing and Moscow. As noted by the Daily Caller, if foreigners no longer want to accept the United States dollar for trade, central bank reserves, private wealth funds, and the official currency of about a dozen countries, all of those dollars have nowhere to go but back to the United States. In a flood like our country has never seen. Such a scenario would likely lead to a hyperinflation and further suffering among the American people. The United States is haunted by self-inflicted democrat domestic problems, so the CCP likely sees an opportunity not just to control Taiwan, but to re-collaborate with politics of the Indo-Pacific in its favor. The, no, the longer Biden cripples the United States and closer China gets to creating a new world order devoid of United States influence. Yeah, so right away, Joe Biden should be shaking and he should not be licking his ice cream, ice cream cone right now. This should make him drop his ice cream cone and, and have his jar op wide open. This is very scary and the United States needs to remain the world currency because the United States is the most powerful country, okay? The United States is the most powerful, so that's why our dollar should be the most traded. Now, the United States is the powerhouse of the whole entire world because we give foreign countries money all the time. This is exactly why the United States must remain the head of the world. Now, now, we can't just have a one world organization, which the CCP would love to have because the CCP is a communist party, the China Communist Party, the one world order, would love to just have the most amount of power out of all the other countries because, you know, people with power love more power. Now, with that being said, Joe Biden should act like a president, like he just said, and start doing things that, that bring down the threat of a looming war in Taiwan and bring down the, the joining of efforts within the Russia to China because this should not be happening. Two communists should not be teaming up together. Now, with that being said, or two dictators should not be teaming up together. With that being said, that's going to do it for this episode of the Dimitri Sugarjo Show. If you did like this episode, please link and please like and subscribe down below because I do post new episodes every single week. Thank you all for watching, or I do post new episodes every single Monday. Well, I'll just restart that. Well, with that being said, thank you all for watching, and I hope they have a great rest of your day. If you did like this episode, please like and subscribe down below because I do post new episodes every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thank you all for watching, and I hope they have a great rest of your day. The, the Demetrius Rujo Show is actually copyright of the Rujo Studios. And with that being said, happy Easter, everyone. And I hope they have a great Easter with your family.